Hello, this is Dan Perkins, your host for Black and White, and I'm also an investment advisor with over 50 years of experience in investing. Inflation is at a near 50-year high, and perhaps going higher. The capital markets for the first six months of 2022 was the worst performing in almost 50 years. Two generations and perhaps more have never experienced this level of inflation. You may have had some significant declines in your portfolio of investments in the first six months and are asking, what does the future hold? And by the way, what should I be doing now? I have grave concerns that we have not seen the peak in inflation. And because it may be around for some time, I want to introduce you to the Black and White Gold Ownership Program run by Ira and his team at Advisor Metals. So go to blacksandwhites.us and click on the gold bar to take you directly to Ira to work with him to see if gold is right for you and your portfolio in protecting your investments. This is Dan Perkins. Thanks for listening. It's time for Black and White, a show that wants to bring all of us together, talking again about the issues that concern us. It's time to hear from people who only want to deal with facts. It's time for you to re-engage in your right of American free speech. It's time for Black and White. Welcome back to Black and White. And we have today a, a, a famous guest and a person that I've interviewed over the years a couple of times, um, Dick Morris, who has a new book called Return. And a man of his stature, uh, I always get a week or so in advance of something that they want to be on, and I'm thrilled to have him on, but I asked them this question. I asked Dick this question before we started, and I told him this is what I'm going to ask him. Has anything changed since the time I got the press release on you wanting to talk, and today that you feel is important that you want to talk about? Good, sure. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. We've, You're we've welcome. Been here before, and I look forward to this. Uh, yeah, I think that the uh, democratic strategy, first of all, the title of my book is The Return, and the subtitle is Donald Trump's 2024 Comeback. Uh, and I predict that he's going to run, of course. I think he'll have a lock on the Republican nomination. Uh, I don't think he'll have a serious primary fight. And uh, I think that he'll win. I think the thing that's changed is that the democratic tactics against Trump have changed completely in the last week or 10 days. Uh, more than before this period, they felt that they could defeat him in the political process, in the electoral process. They felt that they could beat him in an election or get somebody to challenge him in the primary who could defeat him or at worst split his vote in the primary and then uh, weaken him for the general. I think the precedent of Ted Kennedy running against Jimmy Carter, dividing the Democrats so that Ronald Reagan could win was very much in their minds. I think that now they have seen the string of victories that Trump has had in all of the primaries so far, where his endorsed candidate has always won with the exception of Georgia, but every other state, he's just cleaned the clock. He's just gotten them all elected and nominated. And I think that they've decided that the only way they can beat Trump is through the judicial system, through the courts, to try to keep him off the ballot. And I think they've changed their whole strategy from a political one to a judicial one, a criminal justice one. And I think it has two objectives. I think one objective is simply to annoy him and incite him so that he rages at them 
and harass them by going after his family and his business and everybody he knows. And the goal of that, I think, is to get him angry so that he explodes and he becomes the issue. And uh, people talk about him more than they talk about Biden. If you think over the last couple of last month or so, Biden almost doesn't exist anymore. And the, all, all the news is about Trump. And in American politics, you can only have one person on your mind at a time. Mm. And uh, for example, in the election of 2020, Biden wasn't on anybody's radar. Nobody cared about Joe Biden. The only issue was, would Trump get reelected or not? And I think that that's what they're trying to restore now. And I think that was part of the motivation for Mar-a-Lago and for uh, the New York, New York indictment of his business associate uh, and all of the stuff that they've been doing. I think the second motivation, which is that they want to bar Trump from the ballot by invoking the 14th Amendment that says that a person that engaged in an insurgency against the government of the United States cannot serve in elected office. Uh, that provision was inserted into the 14th Amendment in 1868, 1866, one year after the Civil War in the first congressional election since after Appomattox. And uh, the South sent the four newly admitted Southern states sent a delegation filled with Confederate generals and officials. The vice president of the Confederacy, Alexander Stevens, was elected senator from Georgia. Mm. And the uh, Lincoln, the administration said, hey, we didn't gain on the battlefield to give it away in Congress. So they inserted a clause into the 14th Amendment saying, if you're involved in a revolution against the US or a civil war or an insurrection, you can't serve in public office. And they are, incredibly enough, trying to use that to stop Donald Trump from running. And they first convened the January 6th committee with the objective of trying to get evidence to do that. But it didn't. It fell short. And there was plenty of rhetoric, but there was no proof. So they got a search warrant to search Mar-a-Lago. And with a search warrant, you have to have probable cause. And the only thing they had probable cause for was the archive documents. And the triviality of the archive documents is attested to by the fact that they let Trump have them for two years before <laughs> they pursued him. I mean, right. these are the nuclear codes, so this is our top secret national vital things. What do you let him keep them for a year and a half before you go after him? And even after they raided him, uh, it's been almost a month, or almost a month since they've taken action. So this is purely a, a pretext. And I think the reason for it is that they want to get evidence about January 6th to try to frame Trump as an insurrectionist against the American government. And uh, that, I think, is what's behind what they're doing. And uh, I think that it's, it's horrible, it's despicable, it's phony. But there is some credibility to it because there's a Washington, D.C. grand jury that would hear this case and they would indict a ham sandwich if it were a Republican. And uh, I think it's very possible that Trump will be indicted and will have to run for president while under indictment. I think he'll win anyway. I think the indictment will be tossed before it ever gets to trial. But, uh, but I think this is the move they have planned. And this is the hit that I predicted in the, in the return 
he was going to have to take before the election. Dick, there's uh, uh, some of my Washington contacts have told me as of last week that, uh, and these people are maybe as close to the president as you are, but basically they're, they're saying that the Donald Trump who would win re-election and his approach to his second term would be dramatically different than what he had in uh, in his first term. And they're, they're, what they're specifically saying, Dick, is that <clears throat> he underestimated the power of the deep state. And, uh, and he depended a great deal on people in the Republican leadership for helping him pick his key cabinet officers, many of which resigned and replaced. What, what I'm hearing is uh, that if he is reelected, he will devote the entirety of his presidency to going a deep dive into the deep state to do everything within his power to get rid of it right. in four years. I think that's completely accurate. I think that his uh, first year appointments uh, were largely dominated by advice that he got from um, Rince Priebus, uh, who was a uh, former head of the RNC, who right. was the chief of staff. And, uh, and I think that it was shaped by the establishment of the Republican Party. Uh, I think that now what he's going to do is something he telegraphed about three weeks ago in a speech he gave at the American America First Summit, where he said that he would invoke Schedule F, he called it, uh, of the Civil Service Act to exempt from civil service protection virtually the entire federal bureaucracy. Uh, I mean, not postman, but yeah, I mean, everybody who's in a vaguely important position. Mm -hmm. And uh, what that means is that he could hire and fire at will. Now, the precedent for that is that he did that in the VA, the Veterans Administration, where he was so frustrated at their lack of change that he had Congress pass a law that's in effect now saying that nobody that works from the Veterans Administration can go, has to go through civil service to be fired. They can just be fired by their boss, just mm -hmm. like you or I can. And that he is going to extend that to the entire federal bureaucracy. There's a great line that I remember that Bill Clinton once told me. He said, uh, being president is like running a cemetery. You have thousands of people under you, but nobody listens to you. <laughs> that is a great line. And so I, I um, think you're completely accurate about that. Yeah, it's... Um... But but what the, my source is telling me, Dick, and you you may agree or or not, it's your choice, is that he's not talking a great deal about this. He's um, he's thinking very hard about it and what he would do, and 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 some of the people who were with him before may not be with him again, um, and uh, and he's he. Some people think that he abandoned some of his instincts in making cabinet appointments and that he, he depended on people instead of depending upon totally on Donald Trump to make the decision. This time around, if he gets reelected, it's gonna be Donald Trump's decision. Well, I think that you have to divide Trump's term really into three pieces. 
the first year or two when he was getting started, that was completely true. Uh, he appointed Rex Tillerson, Secretary of State, uh, who had nothing in common with the Trump agenda. He appointed Jeff Sessions, Attorney General, who was opposed to the Trump agenda. And uh, he, and then he, and they all betrayed him and he got rid of them. Then in the next year and a half period before COVID, he basically governed himself and he uh, took charge of foreign policy. He, uh, he got, um, um, he got uh, the Secretary of State Pompeo in there, who was doing his bidding. He shaped the National Security Council to his interests, and uh, and he really was able to, for the most part, run the government himself. Uh, understanding that you can't rely really on a lot of people to do it for you, uh, because the deep state and the bureaucracy is so entrenched. These guys sit there and they say, hey, I've been here for 20 years. I'm going to be here 10 more before I retire. You're here for four years. Call me back. <laughs> and, and, they, and that's kind of their, their attitude. When I worked for Clinton in the government, that was so clear. There were times when I remember one meeting I had with the Department of Education staff. And uh, I was pushing the idea of free community college. And they were opposing it. They said we should put the money into teacher training and more teachers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, well, the president's decided this is what he wants to do. Uh, can you walk me through the specifics of how this might work? And they kept arguing against it. And finally, after about half an hour, I said back to them, hey, remember the president? You remember him, tall guy, southern accent? <laughs> and lots of hair, uh, he's the one that wants to do this. So right. do it. <laughs> and at that point, one of the key participants walked out of the room, but the, the remainder did it. But uh, that's the fight that every president has. And I think Trump is well-versed in it. The third part, of course, was the COVID period, which was completely different. I think that Trump's weakness is that he's not always very good at picking people because he, He's so taken by himself and so wrapped into his own ideas and his own thinking that it's kind of like a Freudian shrink talking to a patient where the patient says, oh, uh, everything, he just said everything on my mind. Uh, and, and in effect, the, the Trump projects his own views and his own personality into the person he's talking to and uh, believes they agree with it and believes they go along with it when they often don't. Uh, so I think he's going to be much more selective this time around, uh, but also much more ruthless in what he does. Right. Uh, and I think that he'll really let a lot of heads roll. Well, we're gonna take a quick break and come back with Dick Morris. Uh, the book is, and where can we get the book? Oh, anywhere, I haven't been banned yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Nobles and, you know, those quaint little holes in the wall we used to go to called bookstores. Bookstores, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll be right back with Dick Morris. Recently, we received news from the president that our economy had 0% inflation in the month of July. President Biden is misleading the American people on inflation. It is true that energy went down, but other important items went up, like food. Over the previous month, food was up 12% on an annualized basis for the month of July. Electricity was up 19.2% on an annualized basis in July. Just to name a few items that went up in July besides food and power, new cars and trucks, medical care and shelter were all costing you more. Don't believe what Biden is saying to you about 
about zero inflation. Look at your checkbook or your credit card statement. You must protect your family from the ravages of inflation. You need to find out if gold is right for you. Go to blackandwhites.us and on the homepage, click on the gold bar and get connected to our gold guru, Ira, at Advisors Metals. And ask Ira, is gold right for me? Welcome back. And we're speaking with um, Dick Morris, who's the author of Return, a book about the possibility of Donald Trump being reelected in 2024. Uh, I'm curious as to what you think the, based on where we are today, looking out to 2024, which is a long way out, what do you think will the issues be in that presidential campaign? Well, it's hard to say that now because how do you keep track of Biden's incompetence? I mean, how do you know what his next screw up is going to be and to be able to predict what the issues will be? Uh, I believe that the economic cycle is proceeding ruthlessly. Um, as soon as Biden set it off by exploding a bomb at the start of his administration by spending $1.9 trillion in an economy that was already saturated with spending because of the Trump stimulus stuff in the wake of COVID, uh, that kindled this huge inflation. And the inflation, as you know, can only be stopped by a recession, by high interest rates. And that's what the Fed stepped in and has done. And the inevitable consequence of this is two years of recession with mounting unemployment, with continuing inflation, because they won't have the guts to, to cut it off entirely. And uh, I think that it's the economy, stupid. Uh, but who knows? I mean, China could invade Taiwan with the weakness that, Trump, that Biden is showing. Uh, anything is possible. The more interesting question in my mind is who will the president be? Uh, I think that after the 2020 election, the democratic leaders will go to Biden and say, and I predict this in my book, The Return, will go to Biden and say, listen, you led us into a fiasco in 2020. You can't have that again. In 2024, you have to announce that you're not running again. We won't throw you out using the 25th Amendment. We could, but we won't. But you have to announce that this is it. You're not running again. And I think when that happens, he will, in effect, become a two-year lame duck. Uh, he's already weak. He's already manipulated and run by the party. But when you combine that with his losing Congress, both houses, uh, he's really going to be a lame duck. And uh, he'll have the ability to stop uh, things from happening, but he won't have the ability to make anything happen. Uh, and I think that that's going to be the reality. In the meantime, the Democratic Party is going to be totally taken over, even more so, by the left. Uh, the history of presidential, of left-wing parties, and I go through this in my book, is that whenever they lose an election, as I think they'll lose 22, they move further to the left. You'd think they'd move to the center, but they don't. They don't get the lesson. They move further left. They say, oh, we didn't turn out our base. We didn't deliver on our promises enough. We got to do better. And more importantly, organically, the moderates and the independents who are holding them back from going crazy leave the Republican primary and don't vote, in, leave the Democratic primary and don't vote in it anymore. And only the crazies are left and they move the party to the left. After uh, Reagan defeated uh, Carter, uh, the next two Democratic nominees were Mondale and Dukakis before they got sanity and nominated Clinton. And the same thing happened in Britain when Thatcher defeated Callahan 
the next two candidates of the Labour Party were Kinnick and Foote, crazy leftists, till they got sanity and nominated Tony Blair. Uh, so that's what I think is the, and I think the other element, of course, will be that the Democratic Party will resort through Biden to increasing, or whoever is president, to increase, increasingly tyrannical means to try to suppress Trump. I think that the expansion of the IRS is only the first step. Uh, I think that just as they used the IRS in the wake of the 2010 elections, in which the Tea Party swept the House and Republicans gained power, they, they used the IRS to wipe out the Tea Party. Uh, it died around 12, 2012, 2014, killed by federal audits. Um, they didn't do anything wrong. There was no embezzlement. It wasn't like Black Lives Matter. But they were audited by lowest learners so incessantly and demanded to produce all documents and come up with minutes and come up with everything that an organization that was never heavy on staff couldn't cope with that and ultimately had to fold. That's a variant of what they're going to do now. But instead of aiming it at opinion leaders in the Republican Party, they're going to aim it at voters. And they're going to use these IRS agents not to dig for rich people's money, uh, but to go after the middle class, go after people working class, people, waiters or waitresses who rely on tips, uh, the uh, solo practitioners, uh, individual self-employed people, um, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, uh, mom and pop stores, bodegas. And they'll sit down with them and they'll say, hey, look, we think that you underestimated your tips from last year. And two years ago, you deducted this meal and you said it was a business meeting, but we checked with the restaurant, you ate alone. So we can indict you right now on two counts of tax fraud, uh, but we're not gonna do that because you seem like an honest guy, but don't provoke us. I mean, don't do stuff that absolutely is in our face. That Trump sign outside on your lawn, I mean, that's an invitation to an audit. And the bumper sticker you have on your car, that's doing you no good either. And for heaven's sakes, don't let my boss know that you went to a Trump rally because that drives him ballistic and God knows what he's going to do to you. And I think we're about to see a reign of terror and intimidation using the tax code to and the tax enforcement uh, to try to cripple the guts of the Republican Party. Now, the counter to that that I suggest in my book is that as soon as we take control of the Congress, particularly the House, we need to eliminate the appropriation for these extra agents from the budget and pass a budget that does not include those. Biden will then veto it. We'll stand our ground, I hope, and we will then have a government shutdown over the issue of the extra IRS agents. And uh, we'll win that shutdown because public opinion will be with us. And uh, we may be able to spare the country this agony but that's going to be a big issue in the next few years. Um, the president um, is supposedly this afternoon going to sign an executive order to waive between ten and $20,000 of college loan debt for <clears throat> tens of thousands, if not millions. Um, and the estimate is about $300 billion that would have to be added to the deficit. Now, I would like to think that I'm, I'm from middle America, born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I have four sons. Uh, they took out Stafford loans, which was the minimum loan you could take. And that paid about one quarter 
meaning not one quarter of, but one 90-day period of their entire college education. I paid the rest so that they, all four of them go to college. You look, I, get no, I, I get no relief. You look poor. <laughs> <laughs> and I look, at, I look at parents who have sacrificed their home equity to help um, fund their children's education, uh, and they get no relief. Uh, I, I, my inclination is that this could be a very big issue for, for mainstream America uh, about, especially all of us who have helped pay for our children's college education and only a certain percentage of people are gonna get a break uh, uh, on, on their, their debt. And what we don't understand yet is that that $300 billion goes on the backs of those people who are blue collar workers because that debt is still there to be paid. I have a point of view on that that's kind of unique. Um, I believe uh, whether he, I, he'll have to do something about the debt and you're right that it's an injustice to those who paid, but the essential problem is the cost of college. And the essential reason for that is the tyranny that college faculty exercise over their institutions. Uh, where when college enrollment swelled dramatically uh, and went from an elite thing to everybody went to college, the uh, faculty expanded with it and they kept the rights of tenure. Uh, tenure originally was granted only in elite institutions to scholars uh, who would be told, you don't have to work much, give us three hours in class so that we can show you off, uh, but uh, do your research, publish, and bring prestige to our school. Now, when uh, when it's a mass institution, it's kind of like an advanced high school, everybody's got tenure. And uh, the result is that they work 12 hours a week, 12 contact hours a week. Some work six, some work nine. The very rare professor or faculty person works 15. Nobody works more than that. And uh, the debt the college costs that eventuate from that are enormous. The administrative salaries uh, usually amount to about a quarter, as opposed to a tenth, which they should, of the administration of the budget of the colleges. And as long as we pass programs like free community college and debt rent and student loan repayment, we'll feed that increase in costs. Already, the cost is stopping a lot of people from going to college thinking mm -hmm. they don't need to and they just go right into the careers and i think that we have that uh, the government the administration should take action to force colleges to uh make their teachers work more make their faculty work more uh, more contact hours with students cut administrative costs only incur debt where the debt is related to revenue raising like building of dormitories, but not, you know, other stuff. And uh, I think that a program like that could significantly reduce college tuition and eliminate this barrier for people. And that's what I think. And I think the federal government should say, we're not giving you student loans. We're not giving any of your folks Pell Grants. We're not, we're cutting you off entirely until you adopt these changes. And the ultimate power of the Democratic Party rests in the faculty lounges of these colleges. And I think it's time we challenge those. Dick, in the couple of minutes we have left, I want to change the whole subject matter to something that's dear to me. 
I, I'm a writer. I, I can't say I'm a writer like you, but I'm a writer. I've written a number of novels and books. Tell us, tell the audience about where does the inspiration come from? Where does the, where does the ability to write so many books and, and do uh, such tremendous commentary, where does it come from? Uh, anger, <laughs> wrath, <laughs> rage, frustration, uh, <laughs> like what goes on. Uh, frustration, just, you know, I've been at the top. I, before I wrote my first major book, I was Clinton's chief advisor in, for a year in the White House. And, uh, and, and, I, uh, and I could kind of do any, change anything I wanted. Uh, I'd read an article in the morning about a school bus crash, and I'd call the Department of Education, and we would draft a package of school bus safety measures for seat belts and other stuff, and we'd get it implemented by executive order. And that was really cool. And then after I left, I had no power at all. And I watched everything uh, around me where I kept saying, do this, do that, do that. And nobody listened. So I decided to put them in books and to write them. Well, it's, you've had an amazing career. You've been a tremendous resource for our country. And I like your, your openness and your candor and you call things like you see them. And uh, I wish you great success with the book. And uh, thank you for joining us today on Black and White. Let's repeat its name, The Return, Trump's big 24, 20, 2024 comeback. Right, and it's uh, available at Barnes and Noble and, and Amazon and those little little corner bookstores that, that can order it for you. Dick, thank you for joining us today. Okay, thank you. Thank you. The federal government just reported that the rate of inflation for the last 12 months was 8.5%, close to a 40-year high. This is Dan Perkins with Blacks and Whites. Prices continue to rise on other commodities besides oil. I ask you, what are you going to do to protect your money and your investment? It's time for you to take a serious look at gold for your portfolio. If you've had enough empty promises and misleading statements by the Biden government, isn't it time for you to take control of your money and your future? Go to blacksandwhites.us and on the homepage, click the bar of gold to be taken directly to IRA and Advisors Metals to ask the question, is gold right for me? This is Dan Perkins.